next door brother Three weekend rows of town By turning the whole place upside down Many awake will cause such a fuss It finally wakes the rest of us One man awakes with dawn in his eyes Surely then it multiplies So Romans 12 verse 2 um, In all honesty, when I read Romans 12 verse 2 uh, during the week, like I wanted to use this passage and then I read all of Romans 12 and then I just wanted to use all of Romans 12 because it's so good. But I, I, I was constrained and said, all right, we're just going to look at this one verse. So it says this, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So a total reformation of the way you think. Last week we talked about, about the idea that, that, uh, that we were enemies to God in our own minds. That it was an illusion, it was false news, it was fake news, it was false advertising. We were never separated from God, from God. It, was a, it was a lie that we had believed. It was a lie in our mind. And so, so uh, there's this reformation of the mind that needs to take place for us to understand uh, who we truly are in light of who he is. So I want us to, to sort of hold this verse uh, here as we journey through this morning. Well, that's beautiful. A little bit of background music. <laughs> right here at Awaken, we, we, we believe that everyone is truly free. We, we believe that everyone is truly free. Out, out in the cafe, you'll see, we believe, we believe that everyone belongs, that everyone can live free, that everyone has purpose, and that everyone is significant. So we believe that everyone is truly free, that, that everyone uh, at, at their very core of who they are as, as a restored person, that they are self-governing, innately powerful and inherently supernatural, that, that Jesus truly died for freedom's sake. And now that we are free, we are left with this eternally important question. Now that we are free, what will we do with our freedom? Now that we are free, what will we do with our freedom? Will we use it to serve ourselves, to pursue success, to build our own kingdoms? Or will we use the freedom that Jesus has paid for to pursue a significant kingdom lifestyle, one that loves and serves others? Because I want to suggest to you this morning that that true joy, that true sense of worth and value is found in loving and serving others. It's like that was inbuilt into us. It's, it's the way we are wired. It's the way we are wired. So, so next steps is not about ticking a box. It's not about finding a formula. Next steps is about stepping into our original purpose and identity. Our original purpose and identity. We are, we are people being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus through the renewing of the mind. But to do this, it requires this substance, this thing called faith. Right? It requires faith. But, but listen to this. Faith is not make-belief. Faith is not make-belief. It's not something that we conjure up. It's not something that we, we have to somehow find in ourselves or, 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 or kind of force ourselves to believe. It's not make-belief. 
Paul said this. Paul said this in Romans 1 verse 17. He said, this gospel, this gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness. So what is this gospel? This gospel is this. It's the good news about Jesus redeeming rule and reign. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it, and it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God through life-giving faith. So, so let me put it like this. The Amplified puts it like this. It says that it's both springing from faith and leading to faith. And in brackets, it says it's disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. So, so faith is actually a self-perpetuating substance that is inbuilt into the kingdom. It's not make-believe. It's not, if, if I just really believe this about, about this, then, then it's going to happen. That, no, that's, that's faith in faith. No, no, it's not make-believe. It's actually substance that is of the kingdom. And it's self-perpetuating. It's, it's actually given to us. So what is faith? Faith is the strongest sense of identity in Jesus and allegiance to him. It's not something that you produce. It's not something that you conjure up. It's, it's something that is actually self-perpetuating in the gospel of the kingdom. I don't know about you, but when I, when I understand that, that it, it's actually a big relief. It's a big relief that, that I can actually engage with God's persuasion, not my own. That this isn't something that I have to make, but that it's actually something that has already been made. It's something that already exists in the kingdom. And so, so when the kingdom comes... When the kingdom th comes, all things are being restored back to the original identity and purpose. And, and so this is why when we hear stories of the kingdom coming, that it inspires faith. So when someone gives a testimony, a story about being healed, uh, uh, does it stir faith in you? Yeah, it, it stirs something in you that says, God, do it again. Like it stirs something in you that, that you didn't make. You didn't have to conjure that up. You didn't have to produce it. It's a byproduct of the kingdom coming. And so when we hear stories of the kingdom coming, when we hear stories of, of people who, who have relationships restored, it builds faith that maybe my relationship could be restored. When we, when we hear stories about about people being healed or, or, about, or, or about, you know, so, something happening where the, where the kingdom has broken in and there's been a breakthrough in someone's life, um, it stirs faith. Not something that you made, something that the kingdom produces. So next steps is not about ticking boxes or finding a formula. Next steps is about stepping into our original identity and purpose. And so I want to give you an example this morning. Um, so we're going to watch a little video. Are we ready? That's the Ugly Duckling. A little duckling was very sad because he thought he was the ugliest amongst all his brothers and sisters. They would not play with him and teased the poor ugly duckling. One day... 
he saw his reflection in the water and cried, Nobody likes me. I am so ugly. He decided to leave home and went far away into the woods. Deep in the forest, he saw a cottage in which there lived an old woman, her hen, and her cat. The duckling stayed with them for some time, but he was unhappy there and soon left. When winter set in, the poor duckling almost froze to death. A peasant took him home to his wife and children. The poor duckling was terrified of the children and escaped. The ugly duckling spent the winter in a marshy pond. Finally, spring arrived. One day, the duckling saw a beautiful swan swimming in the pond and fell in love with her. But then he remembered how everyone made fun of him, and he bent his head down in shame. When he saw his own reflection in the water, he was astonished. He was not an ugly duckling anymore, but a handsome young swan. Now he knew why he looked so different from his brothers and sisters. They were ducklings, but I was a baby swan, he said to himself. He married the beautiful swan and lived happily ever after. The End isn't that a beautiful story? It's kind of like our story. When, <laughs> when, um, when Ali first walked into church many years ago, not this church, obviously, a long time ago, um, and I, I asked someone, who's that? And they said to me, she's way out of your league, mate. <laughs> but I won. So what's the ugly duckling got to do with any of this? <laughs> See, if we were to tell the ugly duckling that it's ugly and will only improve if it believes it can become a swan, it's actually not telling the swan the truth at all. That's just bad news in a religious disguise. That, that you have to somehow become something that you're not, that, that you, you are, are this, you are, you know, maybe if we use some, some language that is pretty common, you are a sinner saved by grace, that's all you are, you're just a wretch, a sinner saved by grace, and you have to now try and become a saint. That's, that's just bad news in a religious disguise but, but the truth is the ugly duckling was always a swan he just didn't know it and so the truth is your next step is just your next revelation of your restored humanity in Christ and this is really good news so we believe like I said before, we believe that everyone belongs, that everyone can live free, that everyone has a purpose and everyone is significant. Now, now these are not next steps in the sense of go to this course, attend this group, 
they're really helpful things. They can help facilitate a revelation about who you are in Christ. But this is not a formula. This is not a tick box. This is not a, a, a group of courses that you can go to and then you can tick them at the end and say, yeah, I'm, I'm a significant Christian. No, this is actually helping you to facilitate that at the core of all of, it, all of this is the fundamental belief that, that each of these are just next steps in our revelation of our restored humanity in Christ. Your restored identity as an image bearer with intrinsic value and worth, truly free to receive love. And your restored purpose as an ambassador of God, called to represent him through love and service. But the key thing here, and the thing that I just want to touch on for a little bit this morning, um, is that, that it starts with the certainty that you do belong. It always starts with the certainty that you do belong, that you belong to God's family, and that also you belong to this family, that you belong uh, here at Awaken. And so as long as we're searching for belonging, we will always struggle with the idea that we are truly free and truly significant. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that we did a whole series on recently, Jesus describes the type of people that his kingdom belongs to. He says it belongs to the broken, to the misfits, to the spiritual zeros, to the poor in spirit, to the, to the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the meek and the humble, not the ones that have it all together. In fact, I would like to suggest that, that if you think that you have it all together or if that I think that I have it all together, I have actually, in fact, missed the kingdom of heaven altogether. And I believe that there are actually plenty of people that think they have it all together and they missed heaven by 45 centimeters because it hasn't gone from here to here. So the distance between the head and the heart. So, so what, what is belonging? What is it and what isn't it? And what, does, what on earth does it have to do with the ugly duckling, eh? Brene Brown, if you want to read some great books on what it means to belong, to truly belong, Brene Brown is the, the go-to. But she says, true belonging doesn't require that we change who we are, it requires that we be who we are. See, bad news is telling the ugly duckling that it has to change to become a swan. Good news is telling the ugly duckling that it was always a swan. So if we say as a church that, that we believe everyone belongs, then that means that there can be no ifs, buts, or exceptions. There can be no ifs, buts, or exceptions. And I, 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 I have had emails uh, in my mailbox saying things along these lines. Well, we believe everyone belongs except for this people group. Because if we let these people in, how will we protect our children? On, like, these, those types of, of things. Uh, and then a whole lot of verses justifying that, that position. Uh, I just replied gracefully with a whole lot of verses that suggested if that people group doesn't belong, then I don't belong in my own church. It is sad, very sad. But this can be a little bit of the language that we have adopted uh, or taken on or understood that, that some people only belong if they change 
into who we think they should be. Now, I believe people can change. But not change into who I think that they should be. That they are being transformed into their original identity and purpose. I've figured out something as a pastor. It took me a while to figure this one out. That I can't change anyone. I can't fix anyone. I can't make anyone be who I think that they should be. I've learned that, like Paul said, it's this gospel. <laughs> that it's this gospel that will change people, that will transform people. It's the gospel of the kingdom that will change people and transform people. See, the ugly duckling was asking this question the whole time. It was asking this question, where do I belong? Where am I accepted? Where am I valued? And he started to look. He was. He, he started to look. You know, he went first to that that old lady with the, you know, with the chicken and the. I can't remember the other animal, a cat, I think. Uh, and and he's going there, saying, it, it, "It's belonging here. It, it's belonging in this place." And even though that he was actually accepted there, and, and he was welcomed there, he didn't feel like he belonged. And then he went to the family, the peasant who had the children who had really scary shadows for some reason. Um, and he didn't feel like he belonged there either. See, it wasn't that the people weren't nice. It wasn't that they weren't welcoming or accepting. It was that deep down the ugly duckling believed it had to change to belong. It had to be something that it wasn't to belong. And this is sometimes how we can communicate the gospel, that you will be a better Christian if you do this and don't do this. You will, you will be accepted if you behave this way instead of this way. Uh, what we are saying is that you will only belong if you become what is acceptable according to my opinion. See, the gospel doesn't make us a better person. It makes us a new person. A restored person, a whole person, not an ugly duckling that will become a swan if it changes. No, the truth is the swan was always a swan. It just didn't know it. See, religion says that you were just a sinner saved by grace, but the gospel says you were a restored child of God that has finally found true home. In Luke, in Luke chapter 17, um, it, it says that the kingdom of heaven is not, not over there, and the kingdom of heaven is not over here, but the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is king. The kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is king. So if we have made Jesus not just Savior, but Lord, we have made him Lord of our life, we have said, Jesus, I want you to come and be the king of my heart. Now the kingdom of heaven is within us. The kingdom is wherever Jesus is king. And Paul describes the kingdom of heaven as righteousness, peace, and joy. And if righteousness, peace, and joy are internal realities of the kingdom of heaven within us, then external circumstances have no authority where we have made Jesus king. Let me say that again. If, if, if Jesus is king of our heart, 
We have made him Lord of our life, and the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. They are internal realities that external circumstances cannot rob. And I would like to suggest that if your peace has been robbed from you, your joy has been robbed from you, then you are finding them in the wrong source. Because what Jesus put in you cannot be robbed by anybody else. Why? Because he has authority, not anyone else. And it's the same with belonging. See, we try and look for belonging in external circumstances. But just like the ugly duckling, where he went to places where he was accepted, where he was welcome, there was something on the inside of the ugly duckling that was saying, I feel like I need to change to belong here. And we want to say that that is not true that you belong because of who you are. You belong because you are a child of God. You belong because you are part of the family. See, often belonging is in the last place we thought to look. within you. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is within you. Joy is in the last place we thought to look, because it's in you. Peace is in the last place we thought to look, because it's in you. So whilst at Awaken we say everyone belongs here, and we, I would hope we all say yes to that, like we all go, yes, everyone belongs here. What we are not saying is that we provide belonging. So the, the church cannot provide belonging. It, it cannot. It's, it's a family, yes. It, it's a place where we, I hope we all say, you're welcome here, you're accepted here, but we cannot provide belonging because we are not the source of belonging. The source of belonging is Jesus. And so what happens is we try and get from the church what can only be found in Jesus. See, the church cannot provide belonging. It is the gathered group of people that have found belonging in God. And so when our source of belonging, when our source of joy, our source of peace is outside of Jesus, it's external, then it can be robbed. Well, that person said this about me. I don't feel welcome here anymore. Well, that person did this, and I don't feel like I belong here anymore. That person did this, and they've robbed my peace. No, no, if Jesus is the king of your heart, peace cannot be robbed. See, belonging cannot be achieved through external circumstances. You know, the, the psalmist, David, he, he once wrote that, that he was in the midst of the congregation, but he was alone. And, and I think that's true. For, for many of us, I certainly have felt that sometimes where I've been in the midst of a, of a crowd of people but still felt alone. And, and so the truth is we can attend all the things and, and try and be the person that we think everyone is expecting us to be and try, and try and fit in. But who knows that there is a big difference between fitting in and belonging. Brene Brown, she says, true belonging is not passive. 
It's not the belonging that comes with just joining a group. It's not fitting in or pretending or selling out because it's safer. It's a practice that requires us to be vulnerable, get uncomfortable and learn how to be present with people without sacrificing who we are. We want true belonging, but it takes tremendous courage to knowingly walk into hard moments. So why do we have small groups? Not because they're going to solve your need for belonging, but because they are going to put you into a place where you have to be a little bit uncomfortable. And turn up and be seen and be vulnerable. They are the things that lead to belonging, not just attending a small group, not just attending on a Sunday. So what's, what's the end goal for all of this? What's the end goal? In Romans 8 verse 29, it says that the Son, Jesus, stands first in the line of humanity he restored. One version says that he's the firstborn of many brethren. So he's the first in line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. So who, who are you? Who are you really? Who are you truly? You are a divine image bearer being restored into your original identity and purpose. You're called to follow Jesus and declare and demonstrate what it means to be fully human again. What it looks like to love God, love others as he loved us. In Romans 8, verse 14, it says this, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are, tr are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has, and we will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. So we have been adopted into sonship. Adopted into sonship. I wonder what would it look like if we were all bold enough, courageous enough, brave enough, vulnerable enough to turn up just as we are. Without the masks, without the facades. Probably be really messy, eh? <laughs> but it'd be real. It would be authentic. 
It would be the church. See, in my opinion, the church should be the safest place on the earth to turn up naked, not physically naked, but... I, I, I just think that naked is how God wants us. Not physically. Get out of the... Get your minds out of the gutter. Come on, like... like Adam and Eve, they, after the fall, they, they go and they, they put on the, the fagini, eh? Like they find the fig leaves and make, a, and make a thing out of it to cover themselves. Why? Because of shame, because of guilt, because of fear. And so they, they cover themselves. And God turns up and says, why, why are you covering yourself? I, I've actually got a garment for you. Right in the midst of their shame and their guilt and their, their messy sin and, and, it's, and it's all turned to custard and, and they're trying to cover themselves, God says, take, take that off. I'd rather you naked because I want to clothe you. And it's the same with the prodigal son when he comes home. Adoption to sonship. It, it answers the four, what I believe are four innate needs of every human. Do I belong? Am I safe and secure? What is my authority? And am I significant? When we're adopted to sonship, this is what the Romans would say. So Paul writes this to the Romans because they understand that adoption means these four things. It means a new family. You do belong. It means a new home. You're safe and you're secure. It means a new name. You have new authority. And it means new responsibilities that you are significant. So this is the kingdom of heaven. And it's in you. We've just got to stop masking it, eh? Stop trying to cover it up. Stop trying to hide it. Stop trying to be who we think everyone else expects us to be. Uh, if you have truly made Jesus king of your heart, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, so out of one kingdom, you've been translated into the kingdom of his glorious light, which means that you are now restored. You're a swan. You were always a swan. You just didn't realize it. It was an illusion. It was a lie that you believed about yourself. It was, it was fake news. It was false advertising. You were always a swan. God just restored you back to your original identity and purpose. It's who you are. Come on, and that's where belonging comes from. Come on, we're not, I don't turn up looking for you to make me feel like I belong. I belong because I'm in the family. You belong because you're in the family. We all belong because we're in the family, and I don't need to pretend to be anything that I'm not because I'm in the family. Who knows that when we're in a family, like if you come to our house, you'll see all our, all our good parts and all our bad parts. It's just family, hey. And I don't love my wife any less. I don't love my kids any less. Actually, I love them more. You know, like, this is, this is how it's meant to be. This is who we are as, as human beings. It's beautiful. It's messy, and it's great, and it's authentic, and it's real, and it's, it's the kingdom. Let me pray for you this morning. Why don't we stand um, and do, do the hokey pokey, maybe. I don't know. Let's let's just
I, I just really want to pray. Sometimes we need to do something. I don't know. I, I just want to pray that, that, that this becomes a revelation for you, that this isn't just, oh, I've got to take my next step. I better go to the small group because the church said I need to go to the small group and tick that box. No, no, no. We go to a small group because we want to say, here, here I am. This is me. And I, I don't even know if I believe in God at the moment. You know, like that's okay. That is totally okay. The safest place to be is in a small group with people where you can go, oh, I don't even know if I believe right now. <laughs> Great, you're in the best place. Let's talk about that. Let's pray for you. Let's, you know. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. And, and Father, I thank you for your kingdom and how beautiful it is and how, how great the news is. I thank you, Jesus, that you truly did it all on our behalf. My goodness, thank you. Thank you that there is nothing required of us to, to try and make ourselves better, but that when we, when we engage with your persuasion, when we make you king of our life and we, we say our allegiance is to you, Jesus, that actually the gospel does its work in us without us forcing it or, or trying to make it do something. I, I thank you that we can't change each other. I, I thank you that we can't fix each other. I, I thank you that your gospel does it. I, I thank you that your spirit is at work in us. I, I thank you that, that your spirit is alive in us. I, I thank you that your, your kingdom is not just, just a matter of words and, and talk, but it is a, a matter of power, that, that your kingdom is at work. And, and I thank you that that means that anybody can walk in these doors and say, am I welcome here? And we can all say, yes, you're totally welcome here. The kingdom's at work. You'll probably get changed, but welcome. I thank you, God. That it's not about what we do for them, but Father, it's about them discovering that they are, they are part of your family, that, they, that they, they've just believed a lie about who their identity was, but that you are restoring them back to their original identity and purpose, and we don't even have to do anything except love them, care for them, and tell them about who you are. So Father, I thank you what, for what you're doing in our hearts. I pray that this revelation would just sit perfectly in our hearts, that we would, we would understand what it means to live from this, that it's the type of faith that, that is, that is self-perpetuating, that it's stirring faith in us, not because we're conjuring it up, but because, because your kingdom's at work in us. And we thank you that your peace cannot be robbed from us, that your joy cannot be robbed from us, that, that we are made right, that we are the righteousness of Christ, not because we did anything, but because you did it all. I pray that we could live from that place. Not towards love, but from love. Not towards acceptance, but from acceptance. Not towards belonging, but from belonging. We thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let that be the heart cry of this house. You belong here. You belong here. You belong here. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Amen. Amen. Amen.